when you think about your life, and, and let me just give this caveat to the question I'm about to uh, ask you, uh, we're going to remove, uh, and I know it sounds strange, but we're going to remove God, the answers uh, of God, Jesus, the Bible, church, those kinds of things. Uh, what, what do you rely on uh, in your life to give you meaning, satisfaction, joy, fulfillment? Uh, uh, a lot of people would mention things like family or your career, uh, hobbies, maybe your love of country, the sense of patriotism. Uh, it might be your university, that, that love for your alma mater uh, drives you. It might be food. It might be uh, your favorite sports team. Uh, it might be thinking about your retirement or your 401k. Whatever it is, I want you to think about that for just a second. And now I want you to imagine God saying, okay, whatever it is that's nearest and dearest to your heart, I want you to put it aside and I want you to offer it up and remove it from your life. That, that, that would be such a devastating kind of a thing. Uh, it, it would be so hard to get rid of what is so dear. And when those things are torn away from us uh, through circumstances of life, uh, um, uh, it, it's such a painful experience that, that it takes sometimes years to, to recover. And yet that is exactly what God is going to ask of Abraham in, in today's text. Uh, today's text comes from Genesis chapter 22. And it's one of the more challenging texts that we find in the Bible, it, it, it portrays, depending on how you want to look at it, you could focus on God and trying to wonder what kind of God is this that would require this kind of sacrifice from somebody. You could focus on Abraham, and uh, as, as Hebrews chapter 11 does, and you could focus on his faith. You could focus on Isaac and his willingness to participate in this process you can focus on the emotions that are involved, and, and when we read the text, as we will in just a second, you, you realize that the text doesn't really give us any emotion. It just kind of very methodically, slowly, step by step, walks us through this really, really uh, difficult and challenging uh, scenario. Elie Wiesel, the uh, Jewish writer who was known for many of his works about the Holocaust, um, wrote a chapter in one of his books on the sacrifice of Isaac and entitles it A Survivor's Story. He says, as a child, I read and read this tale, my heart beating wildly. I felt dark apprehension come over me and carry me far away. There was no understanding these three characters. Why would God, the merciful father, demand that Abraham become inhuman? And why would Abraham accept? And Isaac, why did he submit so meekly? Since he did not receive a direct command, why did he consent? I could not understand. Well, let's read the biblical text. And then uh, I have two basic points that I want to share with you just for your uh, uh, thinking today. And, um, and so let me read from Genesis chapter 22, uh, 1 through 14. 
Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. So on the front end, we're given an insight that Abraham didn't know. We're told that this story is not about child sacrifice. It's not about anything that people sometimes would suggest. It's a test. And it's not a test because necessarily uh, God was trying to figure out what's in Abraham's heart, but rather it's a test in the way that you would refine gold to remove impurities. And it's a process that can be painful. It's fire. But at the same time, the end result is purity. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, as Carlos talked about last week, Isaac uh, uh, was not Abraham's only son. He had Ishmael, who was his oldest son. But this was, Isaac was the son of promise. Isaac was the son of both Sarah and Abraham. And he was the one through whom all of the Jewish people would receive their blessing and through whom all of the rest of us would also receive our blessing. And God asks him, asks Abraham to sacrifice him. Verse 3, the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. We don't know exactly how old Isaac was at this time. The, the word here translated boy could be a young man, a lad. It could be someone as old as 17. We know that Isaac was old enough to carry the wood. We know that he was old enough to have chosen a different path, but he chose to walk along with his father. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. <laughs> my emotions and my heart is churning as I read this, and I can't even begin to imagine what was happening in the heart and the mind of Abraham and Isaac. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. 
Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And he named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You know, there's no other story in the Bible quite like this one. Abraham was asked very early on when God first called him to burn his bridges with his past. Leave your family and go to a place that I will show you. And now God is asking him to burn the bridges before him, in front of him, that he hasn't lived yet. Go to this mountain that I will show you. These three individuals, the characters of this story, God, Abraham, and Isaac are kind of all woven together. But in Jewish tradition, this story is known as the Akedah, uh, the binding, the binding of Isaac. That word when Abraham binds and ties up Isaac is the only time that word occurs in the entire Hebrew Old Testament. And to the Jewish people, this story is like a resurrection story. It is read on the second day of their New Year celebration every year. It is the story that reminds them that God will continue to renew and restore his people. And God will be faithful to that promise to make Abraham and his descendants into a great nation because Isaac was the key. And yet, as we think about this, the first of the two points I want to suggest is that when God requires a sacrifice, it can be and it is the death of something that we hold dear. The, the way that God looks at our lives is so different than the way we look at them. We look at things and we say things like, I can't live without this. My life would not be the same if it wasn't for X or Y or Z. My entire life is wrapped up in this. And yet God looks at our lives and when he sees us so wrapped up in something, the first thing that he wants to do is to say, I need to separate that from this child of mine because he's so focused on this that he can't lift up his eyes and see beyond. Two times in the text, it, the text says that Abraham lifted up his eyes. And I think some of what we need to do when we're so wrapped up, even now with all of the stuff happening, is we need to lift up our eyes. And realize that the sacrifices God is asking of us are painful. They are something near and dear. But only when we sacrifice them can we really begin to appreciate what we have. I was reading a, 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 an article about this text this last week. And the author made an interesting, uh, almost an accusation. 
He says, you know, we, we shouldn't be too surprised with this text because we're used to sacrificing our children. I looked at it and I said, what? Let me read that again. He said, yes. We're used to sacrificing our children. What we'll sacrifice our children for our jobs or for a promotion or uh, to get into a specific social group or to maintain our love for a particular sport. We sometimes lose our children to war or to illness. Sometimes we lose our children, lose our children to the mission field when they choose to go and follow God's lead. The, the idea that we would be willing to give up what is most near and dear to our heart leads us to the second point, and that is that God will provide. Five times in this text, the word provide shows up. It's sometimes translated in the, by the words seeing, and he saw the mountain or the mountain that God showed him. But it's all the same word, provide. And, and, and God is providing for us all along the way, every step of the way, what we need. God has this perspective on our lives where he sees what it is that's got us all wrapped up and got us so anxious and so confused and so fearful, and he's providing. This morning in the Spanish class, I was talking with the brothers and sisters, and I was just observing that if you would have told me back in the middle of March that by the time we get to June, July, we, we still wouldn't be meeting as a church, I thought, well, there's no way any of us can survive. But God has provided for us in ways that we could have never imagined. The Lord will provide and this mountain that Abraham is led to in the, by the end of the story is the mountain of the Lord where God provides. This mountain that is also very close to the site of what would later become the city of Jerusalem. This mountain which would very likely become Mount Calvary where God would also offer up his son, his only son, whom he dearly loves. And so this sacrifice that God asks of us is really what he has already given us. This child that Abraham was asked to offer up was the very child that God had given him. Every single thing that we have that God asks us to sacrifice is what he himself has already given us. Some of you might remember a Christian uh, band uh, back in the 90s called Sixpence None the Richer. It's kind of an odd name. And uh, this group actually had a big hit and uh, showed up on the, uh, 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 was invited to show up on the David Letterman show. And, and as Letterman was chatting with the lead singer, he, he asked her, so where did this name come from? And she said, it comes from a book, this is on national TV, it comes from a book by a, a Christian author, British author named C.S. Lewis. And, and in it, uh, he, he talks about how a little boy asked his father for a sixpence, which was a coin 
that's no longer used, but it was worth about 50 cents in U.S. currency. And, and the father said, well, what do you want this money for? He says, well, I want to buy you a gift. And so the boy asked his father for 50 cents and went out and bought a gift to give to the father. The father gladly accepted the gift, but he also realized that he's not any richer for the transaction because he's the one who actually paid for the gift at the very beginning. And so the father bought his own gift, as it were, sixpence, but none the richer. And that's what God asked Abraham to do. Give me back what I have given you. Give me back what I have provided you. And so as you think about your life and as you think about the things that are the nearest and dearest to you, first realize that God is the one who provided. And then he doesn't want you to cling so tightly to whatever that is that you lose focus of what life is truly about. And then as you realize that God asks you to give that up, whatever it is, you might remember the time Jesus said, anyone who loves family or things or possessions more than me is not worthy of the kingdom. God provides, he asks us to offer it back to him, and then he provides once again. God requires this sacrifice of all of us. And like any kind of sacrifice, it will be painful. But God will provide, just as he has for Abraham, through Noah, through Moses, through David, through Solomon, through the prophets God is providing, even through this day, through people in your lives and in my life, through technology and through so many other ways. And so as we think about this idea of giving up something for God and sacrificing, we keep in mind that it was God who first gave us, and then we willingly give because we understand that he will provide again, whatever we need. My prayer is that God continue to provide whatever your spirit needs today, whether it be through an online community, whether it be through a phone call, a text message, or a chat. And perhaps you can be the spark that can provide and fill an empty place in someone else's heart. So as you begin this week, and as we begin this week, look for ways that you can be God's instrument to provide for someone else what God has given you. Our brother Alfonso Thomas is here, and he is going to lead us in a prayer. And so uh, 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 I pray God's blessings on you. It's good to be with you again. God bless you.